0: This year we've been going through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we finished up in Matthew 6 last time with the Lord's Prayer. So I'd like us to start this morning just in our seats to pray the Lord's Prayer together, and uh, then we'll take it up from that point. So let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I shared last time, the Lord's Prayer, we can add a new dimension to it, this side of the cross. We can start off by saying, Holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come within me. Your will be done unto me and with me and through me on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread upon yourself to feed. And as you, Father, have forgiven us all of our trespasses in Christ, So empower us to forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us away from temptation, from that which is tempting. Deliver us from our flesh, from the evil to come, and from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the next verse, 614. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Now, you know what? As er a young believer, I read that verse, (laughs) and I thought, wow, that sounds like my forgiveness is based on my ability to forgive. Because the verse says, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Does that mean we can lose our salvation because we do not forgive men their trespasses? What is the basis of our salvation? Is it our ability to do anything? Is it our ability to forgive? Is it our ability to be righteous? Is it our ability to be good? No, the basis of our salvation is this cross behind us. Because on that cross, Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself And he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So, no, brothers and sisters, we cannot lose our salvation because we do not forgive our brothers their trespasses. But what we can lose is the sense, the feeling, the experience of our forgiveness. Because not to forgive is what? Not to forgive a brother or sister their sins against us is a sin. If we do not forgive another, that is a sin. And when we sin and we're not repentant of that sin, what does that do? It breaks, it breaks our communion with our Heavenly Father. Does it change our relationship with Him? How many of you are parents? You have children. If your child misbehaves, if your child rebels, is he or she not a son? Is he or she not a daughter? No, you cannot We cannot change our relationship with our Heavenly Father because we have been purchased with the blood of Jesus. We cannot change our relationship with him, but we can change our fellowship. We can distort and destroy our fellowship with him if we sin and are not repentant. So if we have a brother or sister that we have not forgiven, that is sin, and if we do not repent of it, then fellowship with Father is broken. And what happens when fellowship with Father is broken? Fellowship with the Holy Spirit is broken, Christ's power in us is broken. The abiding, the abiding life of Christ in us is shattered. And you know what? We are in the flesh. And what does the flesh look like? It's not lovely. It's not joyful. It's not peaceful. It's not patient. It's not kind. It's not good. In fact, it is selfish. It is ornery. It seeks its own way. It's lustful. In it dwells no good thing. So if we do not forgive others their trespasses, then we find ourselves out of fellowship with our Father. We don't find ourselves abandoned from Him. We don't find ourselves outside the pale of salvation, but we find ourselves out of fellowship with Him. And when we're out of fellowship with Him, we're in fellowship with the flesh. And in our flesh dwells no good thing. So then... Jesus goes on to say, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you yours. You will not experience the forgiveness moment by moment of God's love and care. Then he goes on to say, now, if you go before the, if you, when you fast, don't disfigure your faces as the heathen do. Don't disfigure your faces as the hypocrites do, that they may be seen by other people to fast. But when you fast, wash your face, comb your hair that you look good. So your Father who sees you in secret shall reward you openly. Now Jesus has talked about this before in the Sermon on the Mount. He talked about when we give, we don't want to give publicly where people see our giving. He says when we pray, we don't want to pray in such a way that it will cause attention to ourselves and our own righteousness. And now he's saying when you fast, when I fast, when you fast, don't do this to be seen by men in others, but do it in secret, and your Father will reward you openly. It's the idea of our faith, our walk with Christ is not to make an appearance, not to be worshipped, not to be, say, this is a very godly man, this is a very godly woman. It's something very, very special. Now, I want to talk to you about fasting real quick, because a lot of you think about fasting. Some of you fast, some of you don't fast. It's very interesting that Jesus fasted for 40 days before he started his public ministry. Fasted 40 days. But after that, there's no record in all of Scripture about Jesus fasting. In fact, the disciples of uh, John the Baptist came and said, to this, why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus said, well, as long as the bridegroom is with them, they won't fast, but when the bridegroom leaves, they'll come back and fast. So the disciples did not see Jesus fasting as he walked these three years upon the earth. But then there's another record where they bring this young man to to Jesus who had demons in him, and the disciples couldn't cast the demon out. And then Jesus cast the demon out, and, and the disciples asked, well, how could you cast that demon out, and I don't? We can't. And Jesus said, well, this kind comes out only through prayer and fasting. So Jesus now said he leads a life of prayer and fasting, but what was his fast? Was it Food? Jesus fasted from everything in this world that brought satisfaction, from everything in this world that brought encouragement, from everything in this world that men nourish themselves off of, Jesus fasted from. He fasted from everything except one thing, his relationship with his Father. He drew his life from his Father 24-7, and he fasted from every other life-giving thing. So, Jesus lived a life of prayer and fasting, fasting from everything in this world and securing himself only in Father. So the very next verse is, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust can corrupt and where thieves can break through and steal. But store up for yourselves rather treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, what is a treasure? A treasure is something that we really like. A treasure is something we really want. A treasure is typically something that we secure ourselves in. And Jesus is saying to us do not secure yourself in things of this world that can be corrupted, that can be stolen, that can be broken. But he says, secure yourself rather in things eternal, in me specifically, who cannot be broken, who will never fail and cannot be stolen. For where you secure yourself, there your heart will abide. Let me give you the layman's amplified version on that verse. Jesus says, in this world, everything moves, everything breaks, but me. So do not secure yourself in anything in this world where everything moves and everything breaks. For where your security is, there your heart will also abide. You know, I've shared this before, but the greatest motivating fact force in the world is not money, sex, or power. Those are not the, that's not the greatest motivating force in the world. The greatest motivating force in the world is fear. Because every day, millions of people get up and do things because they are afraid what will happen if they don't. And they don't do things because they are afraid what will happen if they do. Fear grips this world. Fear takes us into a dimension that we don't, we're not even in. It takes us into the future, this fear of the future. It robs us of the present. And we talked a couple weeks ago, where were you this week? Where, you, were you, where was I this week when I was speaking to my wife? Where were you this week when you were talking to your children? Where were you? We are where our thoughts take us. And if our thoughts are not in the present, then we are not present in the present. The greatest motivating factor in the world is fear. And what is the basis of all fear? The the basis of all fear is insecurity. The basis of all fear is insecurity. And what, brothers and sisters, is the basis of all insecurity? What Jesus has just told us. The basis of all insecurity is that we, in fact, have secured ourselves in that which is not secure. Because if you and I secure ourselves in anything in this world, we will become insecure. You know what? If you live long enough, you will see your spouse die. If you live long enough, you will see your children die. If you live long enough, you'll see every one of your friends die. And if you live long enough, (laughs) you'll see yourself die. And, you know, nobody gets out here alive. Everybody's dying. (laughs) But everything moves. Everything breaks. If you secure yourself in your work, if you secure yourself in your savings, if you secure yourself in your health, if you secure yourself in your friends, if we secure ourselves in any relationship, what happens when those relationships, those friends, those circumstances start moving? We move with them. We move with them. And when the crisis happens, then we too become part of the crisis. And we respond out of fear to the crisis. You know what happens when you and I experience fear? Our eyes go blind, our ears go deaf, and our mind goes crazy. Have you ever been fearful? (laughs) The second you and I experience fear, eyes go blind, ears go deaf, mind goes crazy, and we cannot hear nor discern the will of God. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, what is the cure for fear? The cure for fear is to ask the Lord to show us all those things that we secure ourselves in that are not him. And how do we discover those things? When you woke up this morning, did you worry about something? Did you wake up this morning and fear something? What did you worry about? What did you fear? What did I fear? We fear losing those things that we are securing ourselves in. And that's what Jesus says. Do not secure yourself in things of this world where everything moves and everything breaks. But place all your security in me, for I will never fail nor forsake you. For where your security is, there your heart will be also. Then he goes on to say, the light of the body is the eye. If your eye be single, if your eye be healthy, your body shall be filled with light. But if your eye is not healthy, if your eye is dim, your body shall be filled with darkness and how great that darkness can be. Now, to better understand that, he's saying the eye is like a lamp. And it enlightens the body. So a healthy eye is an eye actually that's fixed on Christ. So we can say, if your eye be single and fixed on me, Jesus says, your body will be full of light. But if your eye is fixed on the things of this world that are passing and temporal, your body will be filled with darkness. And oh, how great that darkness can be. Then he goes on to say, you cannot serve two masters. For you will love one and hate the other, or you will hate one and despise the other, you cannot serve God and the things of this world. We cannot serve God and the things of this world. Paul tells us in Romans that, that the things that we yield ourselves to are the things that we serve and the things that we obey. So if we yield ourselves to anything to this world and we find ourselves serving and obeying them, if we yield ourselves to money, then we find ourselves servants to money. If we yield ourselves to the opinions of others, then we find ourselves as being people pleasers, always wanting to please other people. And that's a terrible thing, because it's almost it's impossible to please all the people, isn't it? If we, yield, if we yield ourselves to the systems of this world, then we're always upset. Because you know the political system of this world is broken and damaged, and just every day people are doing wild things in places of authority, and then we're always troubled by those things. Whatever we yield ourselves to, it captivates our mind, it captivates our attention. So Jesus goes on to say, now, why are you worried? He says, consider. Consider the fowls of the air, the birds. He says, they don't sow or they don't reap. They don't gather into barns. But your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you ever seen a bird sowing seeds? Have you ever seen a bird going and in, in reaping? He doesn't do that. It's amazing. You know how well God takes care of birds? Do you realize there's billions of birds in the world? You know, you would think that if you walked around, you'd see dead birds all over because dead birds die all the time. Where are all the birds when they die? Have you seen a dead bird lately? Billions of birds die every moment. Where do they go? (laughs) Father takes care of birds. He does. There should be birds all over the street out there. You don't see birds. I mean, I've seen two or three, five dead birds in my whole life, and I'm an old guy. Father takes care of birds, and they don't work, and he feeds them. And he buries them somewhere. Where did all the birds go? This is gonna be a great song. Where did all the birds go? <laughs> Why are you worried? He says. Consider the birds. They don't. So they don't. Reap, they don't gather in the bards. Father feeds them. Father buries them. Father takes care of birds. And he's, then he goes on to say and. By taking thought, can you add a a moment to your life? Or another place, he says, By taking thought, can you add an inch to your height? Jesus says, If you can't do something as simple as that, now to Jesus, that was simple. If you can't do something as simple as that, why do you worry about clothing? Why do you worry about the means of life? Why do you worry about having a house to live in or a car to drive. What, what do you worry about those things? He says, Consider the lilies of the field. They don't toil, they don't spin. But he said Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like even the least of these. So if God so clothes the grass of the field, look at this. If God so this is just a plant. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast out and thrown away, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. I've seen some pretty nice flowers in my life. I love to look at flowers. It's amazing if you look at flowers. Every one is, I mean, you look at Rose, and my little iPhone over there. I've got maybe 200 flowers. I just take pictures of different kinds of flowers. Each one is an amazing art work of God and he does this to just plants and Jesus says you know if I take care of a plant if I clothe a plant in such a way that it's more beautiful than anything Solomon had won't I so take care of you so he says don't worry don't worry are you not much more valuable than sparrows are you not much more valuable than plants I got you covered Now, what doesn't he have covered? Paul talks about, he says, you know, having clothes on your back and food in your stomach, therewith be content. He doesn't promise us Maseratis. He doesn't promise us $2 million houses. He doesn't promise us mink coats. But he promises that the means, the necessities of life will be completely met Every day. And to trust him. And to trust him with that. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, you know, we talk a lot about abiding here. And the reason we talk about it so much is that every day, every moment, there's a thousand voices that say to each one of us, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. Whether it's our work, whether it's our Spouse, where if it's our friends, whether it's sports, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. And at the extent we abide in anything other than Jesus, we do not abide in Him. And when we do abide in anything other than Jesus, and that thing we're abiding in gets threatened, starts moving, what do we do? We become threatened, we start moving. We're in crisis. Our eyes go blind, our ears go deaf, our mind goes crazy. And then we do everything we possibly can to try to save that situation. In fact, that's what worry is. We wake up every day and try to save that future situation. What if I wake up tomorrow and only have one arm? How am I going to make it? What if I wake up tomorrow and have no legs? How am I going to make it? What if I wake up tomorrow and can't talk? How am I going to make it? What if, what if, what if, what if? You know what worry is for a believer? It's what what are we going to do if Jesus doesn't show up? And Jesus says, I will never fail you nor forsake you. I am closer than hands or feet. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus cast himself into hell. Jesus on the cross was naked in the most vulnerable position any man can be in, and he cast himself into hell without grace, without reservation, to purchase our salvation. And you know what he asked of us? With the same lack of reservation that I cast myself into hell without grace, will you cast yourself into me? Will you trust me with the same lack of reservation that I threw myself into hell? That's what he asked. With the same lack of reservation that Jesus cast himself into hell for your sake and mine, with that same lack of reservation, will we cast ourselves into him who is the embodiment of all grace and all love? You know, the angels had this conversation between themselves. They said, what is this about men of great faith who trusted Father? Why would it take any faith at all to trust Father? (laughs) He doesn't move. He doesn't break. They think airplanes and automobiles and elevators are absolutely insane. They think that would take a lot of faith, but not to trust Father. Do you want to be the most conservative man or woman on the face of the earth? If you want to be the most conservative person in the face of this earth, trust Father, trust Jesus with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, because trusting him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we have 100% assurance 100% of the time that he will never fail or forsake you. But you know what, if you and I trust ourselves, that is cavalier and that is extremely risky because you know what, when we trust ourselves, there is a 100% chance of failure 100% of the time. And if you and I are trusting ourselves, if you and I are living out of our own resources, you know what, there is due good cause to worry because there's a 100% failure. But to trust him, to love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength, all of our mind is so good. It's so conservative. It always works 100% of the time. And that, brothers and sisters, is what he redeemed us, what he saved us to do. To cast ourselves upon him without reservation that he might live his life through us without reservation. Major Ian Thomas years ago said he gave himself for us so he could give himself to us so he could live his life through us. And that, brothers and sisters, is what he wants to do. He wants to live his life through you, through me. He says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. And what we experienced here at this table today, we partook of the body and blood of Jesus, metaphorically, and supernaturally, because something supernaturally happens here at this table. And he wants us to take what we've experienced today out into the world, abiding in him. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you became man, you became flesh, you dwelt among us, you, you spoke in, in, in simple terms about very complex and difficult things, but simply of the heart of man. And Father, I pray that you would give us all the grace to to trust you to give ourselves to you without reservation that you might live your life through us without restriction this day forth and forevermore and father we do thank you for this season of advent uh, the coming of your son into the world the ushering of your kingdom into this world father and the paving the way for our salvation and for the salvation of all who you call to yourself and we make this prayer in the name of christ amen